Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Leads Up Podcast. I'm James and I'm with Rocco Dean. Hello. Said your surname this time. The podcast is proudly sponsored by Bass and Bly, based in Harrogate. They are a premium independent photographic dealership with over 60 years of history and experience. Uh, they specialize in cameras, binoculars and spotting scopes. And they sell brands such as Canon, Fuji, Nikon and Sony. And they sell binoculars and spotting scopes as well from top manufacturers such as Zeiss, Swarovski, Hawk, Optocron, Leica, did I say that? I don't think I did. And yeah, they do all sorts of servicing of cameras, repairs, binocular repairs, all that kind of stuff as well. And it is a great little place on Beulah Street, is it not, Rocco? It certainly is, yeah. And I've got a scoop this week. They they don't just sell cameras, they buy cameras. If you want to sell your camera, they'll buy it. And uh, so, yeah, you can also pick up secondhand cameras from them. So, yeah, you'd have to just go in there and and spend your life savings. They do some good deals on some secondhand used stuff. And, yeah, they they do also cater for the the snap-happy type of photographer, not just the specialist as well. So, yeah, right across the board. And also, I don't want to use up all my material this week, but, but... A customer of Bass and Bly is no less than the England manager, Gareth Southgate. A very good customer, I believe. That is true, actually. Yes, he's frequented the shop before. I'm not sure how recent it was and whether Bass and Bly are still dining after, on that after all these years. <laughs> but he has definitely been in there because I saw him in there. And what a lovely man he is as well. And it is true. Also, Matthias Click used to be seen through the window, I believe, uh, when he used Just to live in Harrogate. Uh, I think there's been... David Prutton, Jesus, he's been in there as well. Danny yeah. Mills. Danny Mills. So get yourself there. Harrogate, Bass and Bly, Beulah Street, bassandbly.com. The link is in the podcast description. Okay. I have read your roundup this week. Oh, yeah. Did you like it? I read it every week. But, <laughs> but um, 5th of January, the, de- the debate over Jed Spence terminated loan. Talk to me. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of conclusions drawn and yeah, overreactions I felt. Yeah, there was a, yeah, Twitter was raging. Um, you know, was Farker wrong to get rid of him when we've got a, a shortage of defending? But for me always, you know, we don't know what goes on on the inside. And yeah, as reports have come out recently, it seems like he just wasn't really one of us. He was late for, yeah, late for team meetings. Uh, missing Christmas dues, apparently, even apparently uh, allegedly missing hospital visits uh, over Christmas, which is pretty much as bad as it can get. So I don't know if that's true, to be fair. But um, yeah, all sorts of rumors coming out. 
It sounds like you're describing me because I'm usually late for these. I didn't. I don't think I turned up to our Christmas do, and I didn't come visit you in hospital when you had your ear operation. So you are. A, yeah, I am. Maybe I need to be sent back to Tottenham and then out to France. <laughs> yeah, he's gone. Who cares? See you later. It's your own career. You're messing up. So yeah. book, book your ideas up, as Neil Warnock's already told you. Uh, it's not. It's, it, that's a weird thing in itself, isn't it? As agreeing with Colin, I didn't like that. To to be honest. No, and I've got a, a mate who's a good Middlesbrough fan, and uh, yeah, he's he's well, yeah, unpredictably, or predictably, he he was wary of him when Leeds signed him. He wasn't sure if he, yeah, was gonna gonna be at it for us, and yeah, he is history. He's toast. His career probably will go down the pan. I would imagine. And segue here actually, because sixth of January rumours of Ailing started flying around that he was potentially off to to Burnham. And Creswell potentially exiting as well. We don't know anything on that. Um, and we're not going to, even if we did, we wouldn't tell you. <laughs> but yeah, potential transfers for Somerville, Strauk and Nyonto. Let's just ignore all that, st- all the scary yeah. stuff. And let's skip to Aylin, uh going on to Middlesbrough. Uh, yeah, we we did catch wind of him going for a medical at Borough and it being sort of more official. And I'm you brought the news. I didn't break any news. <laughs> um, you started the rumour. I might have posted <laughs> it, but I didn't break the news. Um yeah, I was I'm, I was good, like proper good when he left because it was another one of those things where it is the end of an era. Another another great player, great person um, who's gone. Uh, I absolutely love Luke. I think he's a great guy. And so when I went to Thorpe Arch, I, we talked about this on the podcast and it was for like a socios thing and and we had to do this thing to camera, which they cut out of it um, on LUTV, but they asked me who my favourite player was and... Without hesitation, I was like, Luke Aylin. Because I think he brings a feeling more than anything. You know, there's like, there's better players. Like there, there is, like Pablo was a, a better player. Um, but I think Luke Aylin was everything that a Leeds player is and should be. When he came in, we weren't necessarily doing well. We were sort of a patchwork of weird players. And he came in and was just giving like sevens consistently, like seven out of 10 performances week after week. And, and then I think when... Bielsa here obviously happened as well. He stepped up again and his fitness and his influence on the game was just massive. And yeah, and I think all the stuff off the pitch with, you know, the fact that he was the one person who would front up the camera, you know, at Nottingham Forest as well when we lost. And you think this is a guy with a, a stammer who's obviously had loads of insecurities growing up with it. Um, and here he is, like he's just willing to do it and step up when others, when others wouldn't. And I think, you know, when we put a lot of, praise and attention on players that are really good that leave the club. It annoys me that we don't put more attention on players like Luke Aylin because they are the influence, the big influence for for our football club. So, yeah, I'm I'm sad, sad that it's over. Yeah, I'm also sad, but I'm really happy for him because it's a brilliant move, you know, to get a, a big championship team like Borough who, you know, still have a promotion hopes. I mean, God, imagine if we end up playing Borough in the playoffs and Aylin's at Ellen Road and... He's had a great start, played 90 minutes on Saturday, set up one of their goals, basically. Got a pre-assist for a lovely lofted 50-yard ball over the top. Um, so that was nice as well. But yeah, no, I, I echo your thoughts. I think I actually, like, this probably sounds like going over the top, but maybe it doesn't because everyone has watched him play over the last few years. So, like, the Revy team, like, the fortitude that they had, like, they had heart like like nothing else. Like that, like, that team was just unbelievable for, you know, keeping running, you know, keeping going through everything and just giving it 
you know, nonstop every single ounce of energy in their bodies, you know, sweating blood for the cause. Can't think of anyone. I can't actually, I've tried, I spent the last few days thinking, and I can't think of anyone who sort of mirrors that spirit more than ailing that I've seen in my life. And yeah, I said it in the, yeah, in the, in the roundup, you know, his courage and leadership, like they're the two main things for me. He's, he is just something else and he's eat every little bit out of him as a lot of players did, but like you say, the fronting up and, you know, that legendary interview after the Nottingham Forest defeat, um, you know, where he was clearly hurting as much as everybody else, you know, he was bewildered. He was, you know, completely disheartened, but yeah, that, that's what it meant to him. And, and they got through that. Um, yeah, he's a, he's, I, th- I think he probably is a legend. Like being a legend of Leeds, you're up against people who've literally won everything there is to win and, you know, starred for 10 years in, in a team. Um, but I think Ailing is a legend, or at the very least, a modern day legend. And yeah, in that in that promotion season, he was he was absolutely incredible. I think that was his best football. And then into the Premier League, thirty eight appearances, ever present and playing all season and centre back a lot of the time as well. And I know a lot of people didn't like him at centre back, but for me and Bielsa, <laughs> evidently, like he really liked him at centre back because, like you know, carrying the ball out of defence, and that's the thing people have mentioned that stat that season of him being, you know, carrying the ball forward more distance than anyone in the whole of Europe, Messi second. And a lot of that time he was playing central defence, but he was still bringing it out and it was really important for the team, especially because Phillips was missing a lot. So, yeah, just a a great player. Um, He's had an absolutely fantastic Leeds career. So I wish him all the best at Borough, apart from if it's going to be at our expense. Please, God, no. I think we'll talk about Aileen again in a lot more detail at another point. Like, for instance, we haven't even talked about any of his goals in that. We just talked about <laughs> the character and work rate he is, which just shows you how how great he is. But yeah, we'll come back to Aileen at some point, but wish him all the very best. Um, so, yeah, Cardiff. What were your thoughts going into this? So, I mean, the, chain, the, the team was sort of unchanged in terms of style and formation from the, from the Plymouth game. So was that, a, was that a tester? Did I say Plymouth? He did, I think. Did you mean? Did you mean Peterborough? I meant Not Peterborough. Yeah. I knew, yeah, I yeah, yeah, we changed the wingers basically, and yeah, yeah. You know what? I was worried. I was worried. So, like, we lost three in a row. Actually, my dad said a great thing in his uh, in his post match that I put up today. Uh, he said that Farker showed a lot of courage on the back of losing three away games to, you know stick to his principles and not put Cresswell on the bench, you know, keep Ampadu in defence and, you know, go into that game potentially light at the back, show great courage from the manager and and that was rewarded by his players. Like, yeah, I was worried because I think for me, it was Kamara and Gruev in midfield. That's where I thought we could lose it. I wasn't worried about this, you know, the centre-backs, but in midfield, we might have got overrun, um, but we absolutely didn't. I thought we were absolutely brilliant. I thought Grubev was awesome. I think he's, yeah, like he had a good game at Peterborough, but yeah, on Saturday, he was really, really good and starting to get a bit more confidence, spraying balls around, got booked for a brilliant tackle, which was ridiculous refereeing. Um, but yeah, he was he was pretty much faultless. I think he misplaced two passes out of 70 or something crazy. I know he's not always the most adventurous with his passing, but he looks a really good player in there. I think we're obviously jumping to the... To that because you mentioned it, but the the yellow card, I think if you compare that to Pascal Strauch's leg breaker against Harvey Elliott, yellow's probably quite fair. <laughs> well, you could say that about yeah, pretty much every <laughs> other tackle there is. 
Yeah, but it's kind of like the same thing, you know, it's that two-footed yeah. from coming from an angle behind, but I thought he was unlucky. Ref was, ref was a bit hard. You, you obviously touched on Cresswell there in your dad's notes as well. I was reading reading these, and he said that there's well, there's a need for Cresswell to improve. Sorry, Farker emphasised there was a need for him to improve, whether that was kind of attitudinally or, or what. We don't really know. Like Farker's just basically told him to buck his ideas up, but we don't really know why, do we? No, I think it's yeah. I think it's mainly it's going to be a focus thing, isn't it? Like I don't think Cresswell's a troublemaker. Um, I think he's just, yeah, he's, he's, I don't know whether he's undecided about whether to stay or move or, or whatever's going on. Uh, yeah, it's disappointing, but he's had a disappointing season, you know, and, you know, Farker said it himself, you know, young players believe in themselves, they want to play, you know, he's in England under 21. He's already had a loan in the championship and proved himself. So, you know, he, he was desperate to come back to Leeds and and make his name in the game and, yes, like start his career, really, because it's just stalling at the moment. And he's, what, 21, 22 now. And so, yeah, I don't know. I just, I hope he does knuckle down and we see him on the bench for the next game. Yeah, because we do need him and, and because I want to, I, I want him to succeed at Leeds still. And the way Parker speaks about him, it sounds like he can. I think, I think Parker does believe in him. Um, I don't think he's anything like... Um, you know, it's not like B, you know, who is just, you know, sent out on loan like JB. They'll have wanted him to have an impact this season, obviously, and he hasn't. So he sent him out. But then there's people like Cresswell and Gelhart that he does believe in and he doesn't want them to go. So that's that's a good sign. So this could have been three consecutive away defeats and it felt like we really needed this win. So I could I can completely see your nervousness going into the game as well. I was a bit more confident, if I'm honest. And then I think in that opening spell, we were so dominant and they, Cardiff had to be quite defensive. Well, they were pretty defensive all game, let's be honest. But it just felt like it was coming and it, it felt like it was an early goal, 13 minutes, 12 minutes in. But it felt like it felt like ages because we've been peppering them up until that point as well. Yeah. I mean, good I work think... By... Go on. Go on. Yeah, I was going to say it's very good work by Furpo, wasn't I'm it? I'm glad you said that, yeah. Yeah, Furpo was amazing down the left. And it was like, it's kind of like he, he took a few players and then he got to a point and he was like, I'm too high up. I don't know. What, I don't know what to do. I'll pass it to Rutter. Well, this is the funny thing as well. Like, again, I thought he was, I thought he was Rutter. So I thought Rutter ended I up with the well, assist. Yeah. I thought that was Rutter, like zigzagging through, through the, well, through the midfield, wasn't it? And then, yeah, he finds himself in the six yard box and, yeah, bounces off him. And then Bamford scores a sitter. Who'd have thought it, eh? But, yeah. But I don't know, like, so, it's funny, isn't it? Because Somerville, I mean, Somerville made that goal, made the second goal, made the third goal, but actually he was, he was quite wasteful all afternoon, which probably shows, like, that he is so far above the championship level. Somerville, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that as well, because I thought Somerville had a bit of an off day. I thought his touch was a bit loose and he created more problems for himself. There was a chance he had as well. Um, I think Ruta might have put him in. Uh, yeah. He didn't, he didn't, I think he took like a bad touch. Heavy then, touch it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a heavy touch, that's right, yeah. And yeah, he just wasn't, he wasn't, didn't seem to be on it. But we've had days like that with Somerville and then all of a sudden next week he'll tear a team apart and probably score three, so. Um, yeah, yeah, but that's the thing, he's so, he's so dangerous anyway that he's, he's create, creating goals even while playing badly, which this is, is incredible, isn't it? So I think Kamara for, worked it back for the second goal and played it into a router. Or did he play Somerville? Somerville. Somerville ended up going through. That's right, yeah. And he, I think his first touch was a bit dodgy there, but then he somehow got yeah. away from like two, two or three players. 
squared it into Dan James. I thought it was offside. I struggled to celebrate for a good 10 seconds. I know. And then I realized there was no VAR and it was probably going to count. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Like Dan James, like, again, he was great and, and just so happy that he got his goal. Would it have gone in anyway? I don't know if the defender might have reached it. Uh, but yeah, no, no qualms about him making sure it went over the line. Poacher. Kamara as well, if you're watching back on the replay, I think he thinks it's offside as well. And then he's just like, does a little clenched fist when it's, when it's given. He doesn't join in the celebration, even though he, he should have done because he, he worked it back. He did all the hard work. Yeah. He's so important, Kamara, just keeping things ticking over, keeping control of the match. Yeah. I think he was awesome. Back to his best. Yeah, definitely. This is, this is the thing about the away games. So like the ones that we've lost, when you, when you think about it, like, I don't think we've ever, we've ever, we've never started badly apart from that Southampton game. So like the West Brom game, we started just like we started Cardiff. We just don't get the breaks. Yeah. Stoke was iffy, but then in the end we got a control of Stoke, but I was going to actually come on to that because uh, what was the was Preston game again, was started okay. We're in control, didn't get the goal. So it's like when, when things start to go against us or when they do go against us, the problem has always been responding. I, like, I don't mm. think we've ever you know, just, just had off day. So that's why, that's why I think with like, yeah, we've all probably overreacted about the away form because at home it's just not happened really, has it? I mean, actually Cardiff, they went 2-0 up against us and we came back. But apart from that, we've never really had, you know, we've never really been in any sticky situations at home, I don't think. Um, so I think it's more a case of you know, how we respond to setbacks rather than, you know, having any troubles on the road because, I mean, we have controlled nearly you know, the vast majority of every game we've played away from home. Yeah, even Hull, which was a difficult game, but that was because we were down to 10 men in the end. Mm. Just to call back to something you said earlier on in the season, which was about Ampadu and him playing in that midfield role. And, you know, I sort of baffled at the fact that he played in defence because that was kind <laughs> of his, his key area because he was doing so well at Leeds. What are you, I mean, obviously he's playing well, but what, what are your thoughts after seeing him in that position like quite a well, lot recently? Yeah, he just reminds me even more of Calvin. It's literally just like when Calvin dropped back into centre-back, he was, I thought Phillips was amazing there. And yeah, Ampadu looks just as comfortable and he's still able to dictate the play. And like having, like Rodon having Ampadu alongside him, I think helps helps Rodon as well. I'm not saying that, you know, he's better than Strauch or anything like that, but um, he looks great there. Absolutely no problem. And this is the thing, so at centre-back, you know, in his career, he's been playing for teams that get relegated. So he's been playing against teams that are under the cost all the time, playing centre-back in a promotion-chasing Leeds team like Phillips did. You know, it's a hell of a lot easier. Um, you know, you're almost not really doing a lot of defending. And that's why Guardiola is so happy to use midfielders in defence for Barca and for City and probably for Bayern as well. Um, so, he, yeah, he just looks, just looks comfortable, even more accomplished player. And say that's why Pep's in for Ampadu. It's like <laughs> give over. Uh, I, I think it was a, it was a good game where the, well there was times I think mainly at the start of the second half where I thought could Cardiff like actually come back into this? Like it's one of those games where we haven't taken our chances. Or I say we didn't take our chances, but actually was Anik just good in goal? Because mm. I think yeah. he made some good saves, and I remember that at Ellen Road as well in, in pulling off a few good saves. And what? couple that spring to mind obviously Rutter in the second half tried to lob him and he made a a, a yeah. great save there the failed lob yeah and and the one in the the first half where Bamford was through on goal and he shot with his right foot it was that it was actually a good save like Bamford put it where it needed to go he just managed to get down to it 
Yeah, I was I was annoyed at that one, obviously because he was clean through, but you can't score them all, and it's on his weaker foot. And yeah, when you see the replay from behind the goal, the keeper's spread himself well. It's not just he's not just hit it straight down his throat, has he? So there, I'll give him some credit for that. Yeah, we missed a penalty. We got a penalty first of all. So it was in swinging corner, wasn't it? And I think it dropped to Rooter, and he sort of tried to pull it to the edge of the box, create a bit of space, and then was brought down by a savage Welsh beast. Uh, on the edge of the box, well inside the box. Um, it's funny. It's funny because three days earlier, uh, when Manu was it three? Well, when, whenever Manu played Wigan, oh, yeah. and they got that penalty, and I was arguing, arguing with my stuck scum fan mate, uh, saying that Leeds would never get a penalty like that in a million years. <laughs> and then five days later, they get one pretty much as weak as that. I think, like, yeah, I've not really seen many any replays actually. Have you seen any replays? But I, d- I don't know. It must have been minimal contact. There was quite a few replays at the time. Like, real time, I thought it was, but watching it back, I was like, God, that's a bit that's a bit harsh. And it's just as well we won. And, and Somerville missing that because, uh, yeah. But a penalty, bit yeah. too wide. Keeper would have maybe got it as well. Would Alec have made another amazing save? Is my theory right? Yeah. <laughs> right, let's just <laughs> try to prove. And he narrowed the angle, made, it, made himself big. And, yeah, good goalkeeping. Unlucky Somerville. My mate actually said, and this is again typical of like Somerville's afternoon. My mate said he was sure that he was going to miss, like because he'd had a bad day, <laughs> and he did miss. Um, but yeah, he still come away with yeah three or two or three assists. Usually Crazy. by this, yeah. Usually by this point, we've we've talked quite a lot about young Archie Gray, um, mm. disgusting Archie Gray who forced Luke Ailing out of Legion. <laughs> I don't mean that at all, and. The, the moment that stood out was on the right-hand side uh, in the second half where he played a, an amazing dink ball, a curled dinked ball into the box for Dan James to run onto, and Dan James lobbed it um, first time over the keeper, which actually reminded me of the one that he did at Wolves that hit the bar. Do you remember that when that was, yeah. the, that was the 3-2 um, where it was dinked over the top, he hit the bar, and then it, it came out. And I think Rodrigo might have picked it up and scored uh, from the mess of it um, in that game. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But that was... No, I, I think watched, you are right. I, wa- I watched some of it back because I was trying to watch back on previous Alien performances the other day. And yeah, it reminded me of that. But yeah, we were lucky. Oh, he was unlucky not to score. I would like Dan James to bag another couple. How many has he got now? Is he on 13? I think he's on 13. No, I think he's on 20, nine. 30. Yeah, I think Somerville's on 12. I think James is on nine now. So yeah, that would have been double figures. But yeah, it was a... It was like an up and under, wasn't it? <laughs> I've never seen a higher log. Uh, he did well to get it down to even hit the bar. Bamford was sniffing around, stiffer pat, but yeah, want to be. It was a lovely ball though, that from Gray, wasn't it? Beautiful. Yeah. yeah, it was really good. And um, yeah, the the third and final goal. Um, I'm just trying to look through my notes. Where is it? So yeah, it was quite quite late on in the game, and it's it's kind of all a bit messy around the box, and it didn't feel like it was really gonna. Oh no, sorry, it was the break, wasn't it? I've completely lost. It was the break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this, yeah. So this, so this was the break um, from our half. And Dan James sort of ran like he does to the halfway line and caused confusion in the uh, amongst the Welsh players bumping into each other like sheep trying to get in a pen. <laughs> and the ball, the ball, the ball, the ball fell loosely to him, and he just burst into their half. And I think he sort of played a bit of a weighted pass across to Somerville, and it sort of stretched past him. But I think that was the only way he felt, probably felt he could get around the defender. Uh, and then everyone started catching up, but. Ruter, I think, did he win it back and he played the ball out initially, didn't he? And yeah, then he, he, did. he He ran the full length of the pitch to catch up with it, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, my dad compared it to, he said it was like typical Bielsa counter-attack and 
I didn't really realize that at the time, but yeah, I've since seen, yeah, there's like a still of when we're defending the corner and Rutter clears it or plays it. And yeah, like everyone who ends up creating the goal is like in our own box. Yeah, I honestly thought that James did brilliantly. Like, I don't think it was like a a comical mess up from their two defenders, to be honest, because I I know like I could see it happening. I wasn't surprised Mm. at all. Like, you know, because James was... You know, it was it was just the way it fell, wasn't it? Right in the middle of them both, and James was there. They were both panicking, and then he's raced away. And I thought he's played a pretty good ball. I don't think he could have done much much more than that. And then, uh, to be fair, again, Somerville, like it's a bad pass to Bamford, I think, and Bamford does really well to let it go. And then, what a fantastically cool finish! Because yeah, like you said, you mentioned Rutter's chance in the second half, where he's just Sunday League, like. Lent back, put his left foot through it and booted it into the back of the stand from the edge of the box. And then on this occasion, it's just like, yeah, smashed it into the corner. It was a, a lovely, lovely sight when the net bulged. And then the celebration. Now, how nice was that? What a lovely bloke he is. Yeah, he is a lovely bloke, isn't he? That knee slide over to the away fans. A note on the away fans, actually, I noticed in one of the replays that they all have safe standing. I was like, yeah. come on, like even the away fans at Cardiff forgot to say something. We haven't got that in the north stand yet. Um, and yeah, he did that knee slide, the left arm out wide and the, the strumming right hand at Luke Aylin's uh, guitar hero celebration. Uh, a nice nod to him. And then he tagged him in it in a photo on it on social later on as well. But yeah, really nice that. Uh, I think I think it's just a, a sign of good character in Rutter as well, who sort of gets it. He's, he's caught the sentiment of the fans and obviously spent loads of time with him and, and likes him as a person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's really good. Lovely, lovely touch that. It was great. Should we talk about Paddy? Yeah, let's talk about Paddy. I thought he was really, really useful. I thought he was excellent. <laughs> it's oh, I thought he made a big difference. You, f- you find it difficult to give young Patrick Bamford <laughs> a, a compliment? Nah, no, nah, it's a great compliment. It's really, really useful because, well, I mean, Pirro's been, well, useless <laughs> or just like ominous a lot of the time recently. And yeah, Bamford, I th- yeah, I don't know if it's like the stretching of the play again. It probably needs some deeper tactical analysis. But I mean, when he's in the team, it just just makes such a big difference and I thought his touch was a lot better today. Well, not today, yesterday. I thought, yeah, his link-up play was really smart. Um, very, very good shift. It's good to have him up front and George behind. It makes, I think it makes us a much better team, to be honest. Well, we win 3-0 every week, so it must do. It's it's almost like a little bit harsh on Peru, isn't it? Because Bamford's come in and Ruta's dropped into that number 10 position, which is kind of what we wanted and what Dara definitely wanted for a long time. So it's maybe like a bit harsh on Piru, but equally at the time of it changing Bamford's come in and done everything that's been asked of him so uh, yeah I think it's working really well and Bamford is just a really good championship player like he, he really is for this level he's exceptional so yeah and if go on well Peru he'll he'll get chances won't he well he's um, good at this know. level as well yeah <laughs> Just a bit, yeah. I mean, having having him on the bench, like, yeah, Bamford stays fit and keeps scoring and we've got, yeah, Joel Peru sat on waiting in the wings. I mean, that is a that is an embarrassment of riches, isn't it? You know, it's, you, beginning of the season, you're looking at him as like, yeah, is it probably the most proven championship striker in, in the mm-hmm. league? Um, so that's phenomenal. What a position to be in. And yeah, you know, obviously... Paddy's had his injury struggles, so, you know, he'll want resting at times when we're having three games a week and, you know, probably he'll, he'll pick up a knock here and there or whatever. 
So yeah, it's it's good. And it does seem like Peru came on and he went straight up front. It wasn't like he dropped him behind and Rutter went up top. So I think Farkas, I reckon he's he's finally seen the light and sided with Dara. Man of the match, who are you going for? Man of the match, I think I'm going to have to go with my main man, Joe Rodon. Oh, um, I mean, Cardiff were pathetic. And like, it's ridiculous, really, giving it to a centre-back in a game that we've controlled so much. But he's just, just like, perfect. Like, I just love him. Like, maybe in the championship, well, in the premiership, I suppose he's not going to be as good. But in the championship, he's just awesome. I mean, everything into the box, he's, he's, he's always there. He's just a brick wall. And, yeah, I think he's the foundation of our success um, and I couldn't, I couldn't see passive. I thought he was just absolutely immense. So I have to give it to him. I'd have probably gone with Gruev or Kamara otherwise, but yeah, I love him. I love Rodon. I'm going for Gruev. Uh, 97% pass accuracy, 82 touches, uh, 68 or 70 successful passes, eight passes into the final third. I thought he was just really, really good. You know, when you think what, how good midfielders sort of looked to this point with Ampadu, and Kamar in there, it feels like there's a really high benchmark. So to come in and 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 really make a difference, not just be like a sideways passer or just passing it back to defence, but um, trying to do stuff and trying to move the team up the, the pitch. I thought it was just exceptional. And yeah, long may it continue because I think that having that personal in the field sort of relieves pressure elsewhere as well by people being, being able to drop into other positions and just ultimately strengthens the team. So I thought it was an amazing performance considering it was his second proper game and yeah, brilliant stuff. It goes to Gruev for me. Player ratings? Player ratings, yeah. I'm all prepared. So let's do it. <laughs> that never sounds convincing. <laughs> uh, didn't he come out and do some like uh, weird header at some point? Yeah, he did. He did, but I didn't, I missed the build up to that and there was some sort of streaming issues on my fully legal stream, but he's had nothing to do at all. He saved one full-blown P-roller, um, and that was it. But does that mean he gets a seven for a clean sheet? I think it does. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's worth it. Great. Junior Firpo, again, didn't have to do much defending. So, <laughs> so that's good. I, I, think, I think seven's enough. I'm happy with that. You, cool. I'm partly tempted for his little marauding run to give him an eight, but you know, and, he, and he's picked up an assist, but it did just bounce off him. Maybe he's nah, leave seven. Well Sorry. done, Junior. Uh, Rodon giving him a nine. I have to, he was just, just immense. I know he's coming up against nothing, but he's just, yeah, head and shoulders above at this level. So happy with nine, definitely. Yeah, great. And Rodon's I'm gonna do alongside that's all I couldn't. Gruev, uh, sorry, Ampadu, eight. I think, yeah, he was solid. Nice and accomplished. It's, it's nice the Welsh boy's doing well in Cardiff, isn't it? It's lovely. It's lovely, yeah. Chi, oh, I mean, I've, I've given him an eight, but now it feels like, I feel sorry for Firpo. What do you think? I think you're taking your your, your prejudice into scoring these, Rocco, which is shocking. No, I think, it, I think it's fair. Firpo's... There's still something about him where we look. He looks out of position, whereas I, I just, you know, if you want to compare it to Arch Gray, I'd say he didn't put a foot wrong and was always in the right place. So there you go. That's There's true. your justification. I'll sleep well tonight then. Glenn Kamara eight. Yeah. Standard Kamara. Yeah. Rock. Well, Gruev eight. Nine. Nine. Do you want me to, you want me to give him a nine? Should we go yeah. a nine? 
97% pass success rate rounds down to nine out of 10, doesn't it? it? Exactly. Okay. And then the first and four, we've got Dan James with an eight. Yep. Uh, Crescencia Somerville. I mean, he's missed a penalty, had a stinker, made three goals. Four. A tough one. I'm, I've given him an eight. <laughs> you just like talked him down and then give him an eight. I'd give him a seven. Give him a seven. seven. Right, seven. By his own Sorry. standards, it's a seven. Sorry, Craig. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Jordino, I've given an eight. Although yeah. he was great, but I don't think nine. He was he is our creative force, isn't he? You know, people saying we needed a ten a few weeks ago and he is it. Definitely. I just worry I just worry if he gets an injury, but let's not dwell on that. Let's move on. Well, we've got Peru to come in at ten. Oh, ten God. million pound attacking midfielder. <laughs> and finally, Paddy B has to be an eight for me. I think totally fair. Made a huge difference to the team the last few weeks. It's good to have him in. Who would have thought we would have said that a few weeks ago as well? I know, I know. And he's up to 7 out of 10 now for his seasonal average. Good on him. What did we say he would get? Let me have a quick look. You had him down as a 7.2 and I had him down as a 7. Oh, Let's hope he breaks his leg and he can play again and I'll be right. Don't say stuff like that, you (laughs) sick, twisted. Cut it out. You, you're a published author, Rocky. You can't be saying things like that. I can say stuff like that. Yeah, you know how seriously I take my ratings, though. So. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Uh, cool. Yeah, no no, uh, no ratings for the subs. Um, don't think anyone... They all came on quite late. It's all yeah. fine. We'll look uh, at... We'll oh, it was good to see Byron came on. and he, Oh, yeah, that's he, true. He did really nice footwork in the corner at one point, actually. Uh, so that was good. This is part of your anti-Furpo, isn't it? Good to see Byron, because it meant Furpo was off. And now, like, is he injured again as well? He's, like, crying out loud. Yeah, I don't know, maybe. Oh, I think, did they say he had a dead leg? And he'll something about him a dead leg. Next week. Yeah. yeah, so what do you reckon? Are we going to keep the same team next week? Like, even if even if Stroke's back, do you think he comes straight back in? Or do you reckon 9 out of 10, Gruev keeps his place? Okay, to be fair, apart from Melier, does have a habit of keeping a winning performance running. So I would be surprised if he would change it next week, and I think he'll go in with the same team. It's against Preston, and since we last played them, obviously that was the game that Melia got sent off. We lost 2-1. Since then, they've lost to Sheffield Wednesday, lost to Sunderland, lost to Chelsea in the FA Cup, and they beat Bristol this weekend. But it's like been a pretty bad run since then. And I don't think that game, we weren't very good at all. And it, it, it's a huge game for us to get a result and keep keep up with the pack. Um, Southampton and Ipswich obviously won at the weekend as well. Um, so... Yeah, I think we sh- we should start with the same team, and if it isn't working, Farker needs to change it earlier than he is used to changing things. About around about the seventieth minute, it needs to come sooner if it's not working. But I think it will. Yeah, I think that's definitely fair. I expect the same team, and yeah, Preston looked decent, but I think it was clear they were playing out of the skins. Like I think that was their performance of the season at Ellen Road. Hopefully, it'll be totally different. Um, yeah, that Miller guy up against Gray is something to look at. Maybe he'll spring a surprise and bring Byram in to, to face that guy. But I think he'll just trust Gray to, to put right what went wrong. And um, yeah, hopefully we get the result because it's Leicester versus Ipswich on Monday night. Oof. And Ipswich, although they got the win against Sunderland, a bit lucky, like their equaliser was a complete fluke. And they hadn't won in five. Now I remember saying that they'll probably go on a five-game losing run. And I don't think that'll happen now, but... You were I'll close. take five of that away. No, that's why I mentioned. 
But yeah, so if they lose to Leicester, then you know that's one win in seven. So yeah, and we'll and we'll be you know pretty much, well. I think we'll be as close to them if we beat Preston and then they lose. We'll be yeah four points behind them, which I think is as close as we've been all season. So I think things are looking pretty pretty good. I'm I'm feeling comfortable. Yeah, I guess there's two points there. Is one you mentioned about Preston sort of giving the game of their lives against Leeds and I think that that's something that really stuck out in the Bielsa area where you'd get teams that would come up against us get a result and then they'd be awful the next few games and like lose um so that doesn't surprise me yeah I think um I think we are where we should be based on how we've been playing I think we are a play a really good playoff team and we need some other teams to start slipping up and us just to keep carry on doing what we're doing and whatever will be will be at the end of the season won't it yeah exactly that's the thing I'm I you know I've sort of it's been my attitude all season, really. I've been relaxed. I've I've thought, and I still think we'll get top two. But at the end of the day, like it's going to be exciting, no no matter what. And at the end of it, worst comes to the worst, we're going to have the playoffs to look forward to. And I know people immediately think, well, we're not going to win the playoffs, but I don't subscribe to that. So I'm excited by that. I'm sure we can win the playoffs if if it comes to it. Yeah, let's just just see how it goes. It's all it's all good. I I, I mean, even like incomings. I'm not bothered. I don't know why like people are so obsessed. I really don't. You know, I think we've got a good squad as it is. Even defensively, you know, yeah, we're definitely light. And of course, I want us to be able to sign at least a fullback. Um, maybe we might need more. Um, if we don't, uh, honestly, I, I, I just, I believe Farker believes. I, I believe that Farker isn't panicking. Um, definitely, will want more because we've lost a couple, and we might even lose Creswell, but. It's fine. And I don't think we need a number 10 for sure. We've got the best number 10 in the league. So, like, how are we going to even be able to sign a good number 10? I'm not going to come to Leeds and sit behind Rutter. And, yeah, Bamford's like a new signing. That's sort of cliche, but he is. Um, I'm, I'm completely, completely calm at this point. People worrying about the playoffs as well, I think, comes from a place of last time round, we were so dominant in the league and then we fell into playoffs. So that nervousness is different when you're falling into it as opposed to we're in the playoffs chasing. And then if you finish in that playoff position and you've managed to not get into the top two throughout the season, it's a completely different psychological event um, that way around, I think. And I, I'm with you, I think. Um, in the same way, last year, there was teams in the championship who were just dominant, uh, who hadn't necessarily fallen out. They were just chasing the season. I think it was Luton, wasn't it, who went up in the playoffs in the end. And and they they deserved it because they were, they were great all season. Um, so... Yeah, anyway, I think that's probably um, it for us, is it? Nothing else? No, you can go. (laughs) Good stuff. Well, we'll be back next week after the the Preston game. Let's hope results go our way. And when we get a win at Ellen Road, be good to be back at Ellen Road. So look forward to that. And uh, yeah, we'll see you all soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.